Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. Uh, for those of us watching online, welcome to Emmanuel Church Online. Welcome on Facebook and YouTube and everybody out there. Um, we're so glad that you could join us here today. Um, and, um, and the people that we have here in the building today, we're glad that you are here. Um, we are starting a new series today called Try Softer. But before we get started with the series... Um, Last week I said we wanted to say a special prayer, and we did as well in our Spanish service, but we want to say a special prayer for all the students that will be returning to school uh, this coming week. Um, there are many that are returning this week. Some have already started uh, their their school years, and uh, I know that I've talked to some of our students, and it's a little weird just going straight in online and not knowing if we're going to be if they're going to actually be able to meet in person at all. And so we want to pray that our students in, in our power youth ministries and our elementary schools and e-kids, that they have a good school year, but they would also be able to adapt and um, that it wouldn't, that, that they would be able to get through this, learn and still experience school in a better way, even if it's not going to be like a normal school year. Um, so let, let's pray with me today. If you're watching, I would just ask that you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment if you are here with us today. And let's pray for our students. Father, we know that the 2020-21 school year is not going to be business as usual, Lord. But as our students return either to online classes or a hybrid mix or with uncertainty with what might happen, God, we pray over every single student, students in elementary school, in pre-K, in middle school, in high school, Lord, and as well as our college students also returning as well. We know that um, you can still use them. You can still uh, help have them experience a good school year, even if things are not normal. Um, we know, we just pray your protection over every student that might be going back in person that they might be able to stay safe and their families can stay safe and be secure that their schools and school districts are taking care of them. We pray, Lord, that, um, that over the mental health of our students that might be in need of something different, might be affected differently by doing schooling online, Lord. And we just pray that you would be able to be with them and calm their fears and calm their anxieties about what school might look like this year. Lord, we pray over them, every student, that they might be able to experience a good year, that they might be able to still have a chance to be able to meet with friends, to be able to speak with friends, to be able to be uh, to have what they need and to learn and to grow as students. And uh, Lord, we just pray over them and their families and over all our teachers as well. Our teachers that are returning and are, are, are learning and having to do new things. We just pray over them and we ask that you give them the strength to be able to get through all of the teachers and administrators as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you again. 
for, for being with us here today. We are, I'm excited to start this series. And um, just a little bit of background. This series is called Try Softer. Now, it is... Uh, I try to do at least once a year, maybe twice a year, depending on how I'm feeling, a series based off of a book. Um, And this book is based off of a book called Try Softer, by the same name, by, I am going to attempt to pronounce her name. It's Aundi Colbert, no relation to Stephen Colbert, Uh, spelled differently. Uh, And this book... This book, what it is, is how we can better understand ourselves and our lives, how we can better understand what we've gone through, what we've experienced, and we can move from a place where we go through life living where we're powering through or white-knuckling. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. I know what that phrase means. I don't use it regularly. White-knuckling is, you ever hold your hand so tight the blood just rushes away from your hand and your your skin starts to turn paler? You know, for, for those of us who are a little bit brown, browner, that don't work. You know, that, that don't work. Um, it just doesn't work. And so... It moves us, the book is about moving us from a place of powering through life when we're just trying to get through, trying to ignore the the things that have brought us pain, uh, brought us trauma, brought us um, brokenness in life. Instead of powering through, the book encourages us to move through a place where our lives can find healing and wholeness uh, and joy. Because... All of these things can easily steal our joy if we allow them to. And if we are just moving through life, uh, hustling and working as if nothing wrong has ever happened. Just ignoring it and putting it away. And this has reminded me of the verses that we like to use as the greatest commandments. That Jesus called the two greatest commandments. In Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, we hear that a lot, and we, we've, we've shortened it, we've compacted it to a, a nice-sounding short phrase where we say the church is all about loving God and loving people. And, and it's nice, and that's true. There's truth to it. But the thing that we often ignore is the other part of the love your neighbor part. It says, love your neighbor as yourselves. What does that mean? It means to love yourself. What does it mean to love yourself? We, we don't know. Oftentimes, we don't know what it looks like to love ourselves. We don't know what it looks like to take care of ourselves. We don't know how important it is for us to be able to do that. Because if we ignore that, if we uh, miss out on that crucial part of what Jesus says, then we cannot truly live a life where we love people and love God. Because if we do not show care to ourselves the same way God shows care to us, then we don't really understand what it is to love other people. Because we can be horrible to ourselves. We really can. You know, we, we are our worst critics. 
We're the ones that are always criticizing ourselves, telling ourselves that we're horrible, that we're losers, that we just, we're just not, we're not good at life. We're worth nothing. We have no value. That is what we tell ourselves. This is how, how harsh we are to ourselves. We tell ourselves that we won't amount to anything because we believe what everybody else has told us. We, we tell ourselves that we don't deserve to have a day off, that we don't deserve self-care. We don't deserve a day at the spa. We don't deserve a day of rest. We, don't, we, we just have to keep going because that's the way life is. That's the way life is. However, that means if we, if we live life through that, all we're going to find is tiredness, emptiness. We're, we're just going to find brokenness. Because we're never going to live up to our, our own expectations, anyone else's expectations. And we will certainly not live up to the false expectations that we think God has given us. So, what does that mean? What does that look like? Today, what, I'm try- what I want to do is I want to explain why it's important for us to start to move towards healing. To move towards healing. Because first of all, every single one of us has some kind of experience or trauma that we have in our lives. Now, you might say, oh, Pastor, you know, I'm good. My life is fine. I ain't got nothing wrong with me. Nothing bad happened to me that you know. (laughs) I think that's often the case. Sometimes we think nothing as bad has happened to us because we've often repressed memories and you know there's a lot of psychology about what that means and everything and I do not claim to be a a psychological professional I am not Um, but what we do is we take our negative experiences in life and we try to ignore them we try to move on and power through as if nothing has gone wrong as if everything is okay. We step into bad situations or bad relationships. We might have had just a horrible fight with a friend or a family member. And then we just meet up with them. It's like, oh, yeah, no, nothing's wrong. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. It reminds me of the meme with the dog uh, that's sitting in a house on fire. And he's just like, this is fine. This is fine. This is okay. We do that. And, and we try to ignore our problems. We try to ignore our, our, our issues. It's like, no, I don't, I don't have, I don't got daddy issues. I don't got mommy issues. I don't got issues. I don't got issues with my parents. I don't got issues with my siblings. We're fine. We're good. But really what we're doing is we're ignoring it. We're, we're suppressing our issues. We're suppressing our trauma and our negative experiences. We, when we do that, when we do that, all we do is cause ourselves pain. We cause ourselves hurt. We're not loving ourselves as God has called us to. When we ignore our trauma, when we ignore our negative experiences in life, what we do is we end up ignoring what part of what has made us who we are. Trauma, although bad, negative experiences, although bad, make us who we are alongside with all the good and the ugly and the celebrations and the hurt and the grief, all of that shapes our existence. It shapes how we experience life, how we experience people, relationships, and everything. All of that makes us who we are. And we, when we ignore our trauma, we ignore our part of who we are. And then we wonder, why can't I never have a stable relationship? 
Why do I have issues with God? Why can't I trust God? Why can't I trust people? Why can't I love people right? Like, why? Why? And we wonder all of these questions, but it's because oftentimes we have ignored a part of ourselves and refused to have uh, addressed it. Sometimes we acknowledge it. That's another thing we do is we try to ignore it. The second thing we try to do is we acknowledge it, but we just do nothing with it. We're just like, well, yeah, I know I have issues, but oh, well, so does everybody else. And we just let it sit. We let it uh, fester in our lives. We allow it to take root. And all that does is bring us to a place of greater pain in different areas of our life. Those issues start affecting other things that have nothing to do with it. They start affecting friendships that have nothing to do with the friend who betrayed us. But we let, we, we let it. And now we think everybody is out to betray us. We, we let our grief uh, take control of us. And, and everything is just doomed to be lost. Our outlook then changes and all, we're just doomed to lose everything. We let our... Uh, our, our hurt and our pain color God and color people and we look at them through that lens and what ends up happening is we live in a very dark and broken world. While that is partially true because the world around us is pretty insane and uh, has, some, has bad things happening in all the time, we ignore the good. When we look through the lens of our hurt and our brokenness and all of that, and we allow it to sit in our lives, we cause pain in every other area of our life that has nothing to do with it. What we need to do, instead of ignoring it and instead of causing and letting it sit in our lives, is we need to move towards a place of healing. We need to heal. But sometimes we don't, we don't want to do that. And there's a lot of reasons why we might not want to move to healing. One, we think we deserve it. We think that we deserve that the pain that we're going through. You know, it's just my fault. It's just my fault. You know, I was just a bad boyfriend, bad girlfriend. I deserve this. You know, Uh, it's my fault because I know that I have issues with trust, but I won't deal with them, so this is just what I deserve. This is what I get. I know that I have issues with my parents, and that might mean I might never talk to them again. But you know what? I deserve that because I've been a bad child. I've been a bad son. I've been a bad daughter. We think we deserve the pain that we're going through, so we refuse to move to a place of healing. We refuse to move, and instead we'll just go through life and say, okay, well, this is just going to be the way it is. I'm just going to have to power through. I'm just going to have to white-knuckle it. I'm just going to have to get through it and just live my life. We think we deserve it. We think we don't deserve healing. That's another, it's the opposite, but it's, it's, it's equally as damaging. We think we don't deserve healing. We think we, we should just stay that way. We think we should just stay that way. And we don't want to move through healing. A- another reason why we don't want to move to healing, because it's hard. Nobody likes to deal with problems. Nobody likes to deal with issues. Nobody likes to deal with stuff, you know? Like, I mean, I, I remember uh, I remember in high school, I, I, I was dating. I, I was in a relationship, and I would always tell people, we never fought. But I think there were issues there that I never really addressed, and we never really addressed, but we just didn't want to deal with them. 
And so we just ignored it. We thought, you know, it's okay, whatever. So we don't want to, because we don't want to do it. It's too hard. I don't want to break it. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to figure things out. So we just don't want to deal with it. And these are all reasons why we think we should not move towards healing, but we need to. Healing is necessary, and healing, healing is necessary for us to experience life the way God intended to. Because God doesn't want us to live life broken. In fact, God has told us and promised us that when he died on the cross, yes, he took our sin, but it tells us that he also took our brokenness, our sickness, our pain. It wasn't just sin that he took the cross. He said, I took on the cross, I took up the cross so that you might also have healing in your life, so that you might also experience wholeness. I don't want you to go through life living, living it fragmented, living it through a broken lens. I want you to live life through the life that I have given you, through the whole life that I have given you, through the, through the, the lens of, of fullness of Jesus. We have been given opportunities to do that. And Jesus is always there to be able to try and bring us that healing. But we don't do it. We don't, but we need to move towards healing. So how do we do that? How do we move towards healing in our lives? How do we move through it? First of all, we need to listen to our emotions. Emotions are important. Um, emotions are very, very important. Uh, growing up, you know, as a, a man... I am. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I had always been taught, especially in Latino culture and especially in Mexican culture, is that um, men are not supposed to show their emotions. They're, they're, they're supposed to just, you know, ignore everything, push everything down and not deal with it. You don't express your emotions. You know, it, it's part of this machismo culture where the man has to be strong. But that's just not something that's, that's, that's isolated to men. In fact, a lot of people tend to be taught that way. You don't express it. You don't, you don't say it. If you're dealing with something, you know, you just keep a smile on your face. That's why a lot of Latino parents will put a smile on their face when their kid is screaming in the car. And it's like, wait, wait, wait till we go home. Wait till we go home. They don't want to express it in public. Because that's what we're taught. We're taught that emotions are bad, that they're the enemy, that they're something that we shouldn't deal with. We should just hide them. But in order to move to healing, we have to listen to our emotions. God is an emotional being. That's something that we don't think about a lot of times, but God is an emotional being. You just have to read through the Bible to understand that God is an emotional being. The Bible tells us that God dances over us in joy, so God celebrates the Bible tells us that he weeps over his people when they have broken his heart. So he feels pain. He experiences pain. He experiences anger when he is betrayed by the people of Israel who often betrayed his covenants like over and over and over and over again. Like we do over and over and over again when we sin in our lives. And he experiences anger and disappointment. Because he wants better for us. Because he loves us. He experiences jealousy. We always think about jealousy as a negative emotion. But the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. Jealous for our attention. Jealous for us. Because he created us. He made us in his image. And he's like, you deserve the best. And what you're looking for, what you're going after, is not it. That's not it. He's a jealous God. He loves. 
He, he experiences grief and pain. The Bible tells us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He lives within us and he can be grieved by the things that we do in our lives. He tells us God is emotional. And so we were created in God's image. That means we are also emotional. Emotions should not be looked at in a negative light. We cannot experience life truly if we ignore our emotions. Because then, if we do that, if we hide some of our emotions, the rest of our emotions become hollow. We don't want to express anger, but then our joy doesn't ring true. We don't want to express grief or sadness, but then our celebration has no meaning. It's empty. Our emotions become empty because we're losing parts of ourselves. God wants us to express our emotions, the emotions that he's given us. God even wants us to express our emotions to him. He, he wants to know if we're angry. He wants to know if we're angry with him. Believe me, it is okay to be angry with God. I have been plenty of times angry with God in my life. So many times. God, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? I don't get it. I've been sad. God, why is this happening? Why, you know, God wants us to know that we can do that. We can express our anger and our, our frustrations and our emotions and our sadness and our joy and our celebration all to him. He wants us to, in fact. Because our emotions are, are, are a gauge of what is going on in our life. If we suddenly step into a place and we feel anxious, there's something going on. If we feel sad, there, there, there is something in, that is triggering that in your mind. The second thing we need to do is we need to listen to our bodies. I don't, I don't think people do this enough. You ever been tired and you're like, yeah, but I got stuff to do. I think we all do. But we power through it and it's like, ah, no, you know, I'm just going to keep on going. And then what happens, you know? You end up staying up all night. <laughs> I've done that so many times where I'm just like, I'm tired, but I want to finish this. And then what happens? I wake up, and then I end up staying up all night. And I'm just like, that was a bad decision. I should have just gone to sleep. My body was telling me I was tired. My body was telling me I was hungry. My body has needs. Our bodies have needs. And when we express our emotions and when we feel our emotions... Our bodies also react in that way, in a way too. When we're anxious, we tense up. For me, one of the things that happens to me is when I start getting anxious and stressed, I clench my teeth. And I start, sometimes I don't even notice it until suddenly my jaw hurts and I'm just like, I have no idea what's happening. And I realize, oh wait, I must be stressed. <laughs> but I'm not listening. We, we need to listen to our bodies. This reminds me of the story of Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 19, he had just experienced a victory in his life. He had gone up against the prophets of Baal, uh, and he had challenged them to a contest, and he won the contest. Well, not he won the contest. God won the contest. God showed up. He said, let's, let's, do, let's see whose God answers by fire. And the prophets of Baal set up an altar. They were crying out to God for hours and hours and hours. Nothing happened. And Elijah goes, all right, it's my turn. Let's set this up. Let's make it a little more difficult. We're going to build the altar. We're going to put the sacrifice on it. But I'm going to put poor gallons and gallons and gallons of water all over the sacrifice. And then he's like, all right, God, show them that you are God in Israel. Fire comes down, consumes the altar, evaporates the water. He goes on to a great uh, victory speech and says how God is God in Israel. And he stands there victorious. 
and then immediately runs away when he hears that a woman named Jezebel is out to kill him. He runs away and he finds a place in a cave and he prays, God, that I would just die. And then he falls asleep. He was exhausted, but he wasn't paying attention to his needs. He wasn't paying attention to his emotional needs. He wasn't paying attention to his physical needs. In fact, we get a glimpse into the reality that Elijah probably had not eaten in a while. Because the Bible tells us then that an angel woke him up, fed him, and told him to go back to sleep. And then did the same thing again. He says, Elijah, wake up, eat, and sleep. Elijah was tired. He had not had sustenance. He was emotionally drained, spiritually drained. He was afraid. He was, he was everywhere and all over the place. He was not paying attention to his needs. And then he went to the mountain of God, and God met him there. And not only, not only before did he meet his physical needs by telling him to eat and rest, then he met his spiritual needs and told him, Elijah, you're here worried about a lot of things. You're worried that you're alone, but I'm here to tell you. I still have 4,000 prophets who have not bent their knee, knee to, the, to Baal. I still have people in Israel who are faithful to them, and I still have a purpose and a plan for you. While Elijah, Elijah was ignoring his own needs but God showed him you need to pay attention to your emotions Elijah you need to pay attention to your needs because then you're all over the place you're thinking that you have been defeated and you feel like you need to die because there is nothing worth living for in this life but truly God still had a purpose and plan for him just like God has purpose and plan for us but we don't give ourselves grace don't give ourselves grace like i said we are our hardest harshest critics we are the ones that beat ourselves up more than anybody else i've seen so many i shouldn't laugh at them but i do because i see so many tiktoks and memes where it's like ha you can't say anything you can't hate me more than i already hate myself and i laugh and I laugh, and I shouldn't laugh, because I see these videos, I see these memes, and they make me laugh, but I'm like, you know, though it's true, though, that's what we tell ourselves. You know, it doesn't matter if people hate me, because I already hate myself more than they do. I'm already harsher on me than I am with anybody else. We don't give ourselves grace. We don't know how to. We don't know how to. And because of that, we allow our trauma, we allow our negative experiences, we allow our difficulties in life, we allow everything that is around us inform our view of God. And now we think, not only do we not give ourselves grace, we think God doesn't either. We, we think that God looks at us and is just waiting for us to fail. We think God is just waiting for us to, to, to just give up and just give in to sin and difficulty and just be broken. We think God is just, well, you know what? They're just, they're on their own now. That's it. They're, God, I'm just going to leave them on their own. That's what we think. We don't give ourselves grace. But God does. God does. So much more than we can imagine. But we don't see it. Because we take our broken relationships and we say, well, that's just how God is, too. He'll let me down. He'll abandon me. 
We take our broken friendships. We take our broken relationships with parents. We take uh, bad relationships, toxic relationships, toxic friendships, and we ascribe those to God, and we say, that's not just how God is. But he's not. We project our hurt on God, and then we end up projecting our hurt on others, and then we just cause a chain reaction that we're now hurting and everybody else is hurting. The people that want to help us, we don't give ourselves grace. We don't give ourselves a grace. But I almost say it again. God does. In Luke chapter 15 is the story we know as the prodigal son. Many know as the prodigal son. And it's a story of a father and his two sons and his uh, one of his sons stays with him and the other one says, give me my inheritance now and I am going to live my life. Uh, I'm going to take money and I'm going to live it up. I'm going to go to the city. I'm going to party. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And then he finds himself in a position where he is broke. Amen. <laughs> he's broke. He's broken. He's in a pig pen feeding pigs. This is all, he is in the lowest of low positions. And he says, if I go back to my father, maybe if I apologize, maybe he'll give me a job at home. Maybe he'll treat me like a servant. Maybe, maybe. You know, I don't deserve that much, but maybe he will. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll take pity on me because I'm his son. And so he goes back to the father who he has insulted because he asked for his inheritance before his father was dead, meaning I wish you would die and just give me the money. He insulted his father. He spent all of his inheritance. He found himself at rock bottom and he he sees his father and he's thinking and rehearsing what he's going to say. How can I persuade my father to be gentle to me, to be kind to me, to take pity on me? And the Bible tells us, as the, the story Jesus tells us, it says the father runs to his son when he sees him far off. And the son begins to apologize and tell the father, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against God. Here I am. Let me be your servant. Let me work the lowest job in the household so that I can have food to eat. And the father ignores him. Basically, that's what happens. The father ignores his son's pleas and says, listen to his servants. He says, listen, bring him a robe. Bring my signet ring. Put it on his finger. Get the fattened calf. We're throwing a party tonight because my son was dead and here he is alive. The father had grace on his son. He didn't even hear what he said. He says, I don't care that you think that you don't deserve love or you don't deserve this. In fact, he says, he says but I don't, I don't deserve this. He says, but you've returned to me. And that is God in our lives. He extends to us so much grace that when we think that we have done the worst and we have broken ourselves beyond repair, he is there waiting. Waiting. The story Jesus told us even said that the father, as his custom, went out to stand and wait for his son. That one day maybe he would return. And that is what God does to us. He wants us to come to a place of healing. He wants us to come to a place of grace and hope and wholeness and love. 
Yet we often do not want to even try and confront it. Imagine how much strength it took for the son to be able to do that. To confess his sin, to confront his issues and problems and reality and come to, come to his father. The father in the story does obviously represents God in this story. And he represents how he is waiting for us, how he is expecting us to return to him. When we are broken, when we experience trauma, when we experience pain and grief and sorrow and hurt, God doesn't push us off and leave us, abandon us on our own. He waits until we return. He stands by our side, even in the darkness, and he will not abandon us. Because his hope is that you would turn to him and realize that he has always been there. And he has always been waiting to pick you up when you have fallen. To heal the hurt in your heart and your life. Jesus is waiting for us. And I'm about to close here this morning. This afternoon. He isn't asking us to power through life. He's not asking us to run the race. You know, the Apostle Paul says, run the race. But he says, it's more like a marathon. So take it easy. Don't rush. Don't push through. Don't die faster. Take it easy. Walk with him. Pay attention to your needs, your emotions. Pay attention to what's going on in your body. Pay attention to what's going on in your mind. God wants you to love people, yes. He wants you to love him, yes, but you need to learn to love yourself too. We need to learn to take care of ourselves. And the first thing we can do to properly take care of ourselves is come to Jesus. And I know for a lot of people, that is not the answer we want to hear. It's not. You know, I've tried God. I've gone through difficulties in life. I've done all that. I've, you know, but it doesn't work. And a lot of times what we're trying is not God. We're not trying Jesus. We're not going to Jesus. We're trying religion where we try to be good, do good, say good, act good in hopes that God might extend grace to us. But the truth is, when he tells us, don't power through, come to him, don't, don't, don't carry the weight by yourself, come to me. If you're tired, here I am, give you rest. He doesn't tell us we have to do anything but be there to come to him. He's not asking us to be good. He doesn't want us to get our act together, to, to, to stop clubbing, to stop drinking, to stop sinning, to stop smoking, to stop whatever you're doing. You know, everybody will tell you you have to do all those things in order to come to God. But he says, no, 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 no. Just come. You don't have to have it figured all out. You can still be broken. You can still be hurting. You can still be lost and not know where you're going or what you're doing. If you tried before and have just gone to religion that will tell you what to do, all Jesus says is be here. Walk with me. Talk with me. Let's take this one step at a time and move towards healing. I'm going to pray today. 
And you can stand with me if you're here, if you want to. If you're online, just close your eyes. and I'm going to pray for you today, for all of us, that we might move towards healing because every single one of us has something we most likely need healing from. Things that we need to work through, things that we need to discover. And Jesus is here for us. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be here today. God, here we are. Brokenness, trauma, sin, hurt, everything. Here we are. You have told us that all we have to do is come to you. To call on your name. And you are here to bring us healing, to bring us forgiveness, to bring us hope, to bring us light. And we know that a lot of times we don't take you up on those offers. We don't do what we need to to take care of ourselves and to love ourselves. But God, you do. You love us. You give us grace more than we could ever imagine. So this moment, what we're asking, God, is as we bring ourselves to you, help us to trust that to trust the truth that you are here with us, to trust the truth that you want us to be whole, that you want us to be healed. God, we thank you for what you have done. And right now, I pray over everybody that might be going through something difficult right now. Maybe they're going through loss. Maybe they're going through a a season of need where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Maybe they don't know what their next job is going to be. Maybe they don't know what's going to happen in life. They're looking for direction. They, They just feel broken. They feel lost. They feel in the darkness. God, I pray over anyone that is experiencing that today that they might in this moment feel the, the, the whisper of your voice telling them that you are here and that they are loved and that you will not abandon them. We ask that you move us today, start moving us today to take the first step towards healing. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.